this is gonna make your dad uncomfortable. Welcome to Indecorous Podcast. Indecorous means not in good taste. 9-11 was a gender reveal. <laughs> Indecent. Bunch of lunatics with morbid senses of humor. Immoral. You don't have the money to bulldoze this building? Just draw Muhammad all over the place. <laughs> Somebody will blow that shit up. Shameless. I let my bush grow because it's kind of one of those lots for love type of situations. Impolite. People always fingering, but I'm like, you know what? My fingers always hard. I don't get whiskey fingers. And beyond the pale. What you wearing down on your toes? Welcome to episode 87 of Indecorous Comedy. This is episode 37 of season 2. Indecorous Comedy is a reprehensively distinguished educational comedy show, either the smartest lowbrow or dirtiest highbrow podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Carlos Valencia. To my right is Bobby D. Yo. And to his left is Ian. What's happening? Uh, a few minutes from now, our guest Nick Alexander is going to be joining us and we'll be answering listener questions. We'll be talking about indecorous news, and we will be diving deep into the history of indecorous professional wrestlers. How are you guys doing? Oh, man. No good. Why not, buddy? What happened? What's going on? Pretty salty over here. Why? I told you, the verdict. The verdict. (laughs) Oh, yeah. This is not coming out for two weeks, but this is the George Floyd verdict came out earlier today. Yeah, nice try, Carlos, but no, that's not why I'm salty. What? So, I didn't uh, say anything. It was yeah, Bobby. Yeah. Bobby's the one that said it. Okay, all right. Jesus. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So it's, hold on. It's not just black people. Everybody else looks and sounds alike to you? Oh, my God. <laughs> Good Lord. Ah. Jesus, Ian. Are you as sad about the verdict as uh, Bobby was about the Suez Canal reopening? <laughs> <laughs> I want to judge at what level you are. But no, I assume that's not why you're upset, Ian. Why is it that you're upset? Oh, is, uh, is the wife putting on weight? <laughs> no we would never let that happen i always tell her she can cheat on me but she can't cheat on her diet she knows the rules anyway um <laughs> basically uh as you guys know i took this lockdown very serious and i finally got the j and j vaccine and depending on who you ask i'm either completely in the clear now or i've got two weeks to live but nonetheless i thought i would celebrate for the first time and go see a motherfucking comedy show mm-hmm. so the wife has an affinity for this particular comic Samuel J. Kamaru. He's been on AGT. He's got Tourette's. It's zany. It's hilarious. Now, so, for um, the folks at home, what's AGT? America's Got Tragedy, where they just uh, bring on people with terrible stories, backstories okay. that are sad, and they give them prizes. It, so that's it, how you were familiar with that guy? Yes, because he's the, the comic with Tourette's. So, you know, you get it? So Now, a giant turd would also work for that acronym. Oh, yeah. I, a giant turd. So anyway, we, we we drove up all the way up to Raleigh, got a hotel, did the whole day trip, spill out of it, expecting to see our first comedy show or first event really in an entire year. So we were pretty stoked and optimistic. And openers weren't very good. No big deal. The headliner comes out and he decides to, instead of do material, play insult comic and just shit on the crowd for not laughing at his friends for the last 45 minutes. What, bro? You didn't think my friends were funny? What's wrong with you? You didn't come to a comedy show to laugh? And he did like 30 minutes of insult crowd work. So, of course... Well, he brought his own openers then? It wasn't yeah. like locals? Yeah, he brought his own openers, and they weren't very good, but crowd was somewhat receptive. I wouldn't say the crowd was just dead silent, but they didn't give him a lot of stuff to go off of. But truthfully, they just weren't very funny. Real, real quick, and, and I'm guessing in like true comedy show patron fashion... 
you wouldn't have any idea what the first or last names for either of the openers is, would you? Oh, of course not. Of course not. No, okay. <laughs> In one ear out the other. So the openers sucked, and then the headliner comes out and just starts attacking the crowd, just going after them, saying, you know, all these macho guys, too masculine to laugh. What's up with that? Not even attempting to do jokes. And it lasted for 30 Wait, fucking I'm a, minutes. I'm assuming if you say, all these macho guys, too macho to laugh, you must have not been on the front row. We were tucked away pretty good, but okay. obviously no one would think I'm macho by looking at me. I'm yeah, 135 yeah. pounds soaking wet. But, but that wasn't directed uh, at you, that part at least. No, it, it wasn't. And it, Nor was the guy's portion of that. <laughs> so I think, as you guys know, this happens too often. The worst thing that could happen to a, an audience in, at a comedy show is if the, the comic starts riffing with one drunken audience member who happens to have a very low IQ and then they just get this little back and forth shtick going. And of course, the one, probably literally a retard, I mean, he must have had Down syndrome, was just making comments after every fucking thing, like, huh, 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 that's right, huh, that's pretty funny, man. And just kept going back and forth with him. And instead of the comic being professional and ignoring the guy, just started going back and forth with him for the rest of the show. After every comment, he made a zinger, the guy would make a goofy little response, and he just went back and forth with him. They were just having a two-way conversation for the other 30 minutes until the show oh, just finally Jesus. ended. I mean, fucking awful. So it was 30 minutes of him being mad and then 30 minutes of him talking to the drunk guy? Yeah. Three minutes, exactly. Three minutes, the retarded drunk guy. And that was the whole show. He didn't I mean, even attempt to do material. It was, it was just awful. Well, does this guy actually have material? I mean, because that's another thing. Just because you're on America's Got Talent doesn't really mean that you got talent. I mean, material, to be honest he's got, with you. He's got a tight five Tourette's set I've seen <laughs> several times. He did really well in America's Got a Tight Five. <laughs> yeah. Well, because that's the deal is like if you don't have the material... You can easily get famous on one of those shows if you just have a tight oh, five yeah. or a tight ten. That's all you need to do on that show. But then you get famous, you're headlining, and you have to do, well, you're supposed to be doing at least 45 to an hour. Yeah, dude. Maybe that's how he fills the time. Maybe he just, it's, maybe that's his stick. Let me bring two guys that suck, and then I can yell at the audience for 30 minutes for not laughing at the first two guys, and then I can just talk to a drunk for a while, and there you go. I only have to do about five minutes of material, and I'm yeah, going. He, yeah. That's pretty yeah. much exactly what it was. I mean, he did do about five minutes of Tourette's material the whole time, and that was it. And that's the only thing he even attempted. So it's almost like he took everything from AGT, the Tourette stuff, and then just did it 45 minutes of filler, and that was all it was. I have no idea who that person is, but I am automatically distrustful when I hear of a comic that has a gimmick. Of course. I, I can almost guarantee that if Carlos and I had heard of the guy you're talking about, we probably could have told you that that wasn't going to be a fun show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, I do remember I went to see Josh. Josh. Josh Blue. Josh, 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 Josh. Josh Blue. He, when I was first starting out in comedy, I think it was my, it might have been my first year. Josh, Josh. He was doing the local comedy club. Josh, Josh. After Last Comic Standing, and it was packed. And I was standing in the back with the owner of the club, and he was telling me, Josh, Josh. I just had this guy Josh, Josh. here like seven months ago. Nobody gave a shit. It was practically empty. Nobody cared. But now because this guy Josh, Josh. has been on television, now the room is packed. Josh, 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 Josh. <laughs> so I would expect that same shit with this guy that you're talking about. Like, oh, this guy, never that good. But he's been on TV, so now people want to yeah. go see the guy that they just saw on television. Yeah, people are yeah, like, he was on TV. I like TV. Right. And TV's then they go to the good. show. Yeah. So hopefully you guys had a better weekend than me. <laughs> well, I didn't see any stand-up comedy, so that's always good. 
<laughs> I think I'm over the side effects of the vaccine, at least. I didn't have any oh, sweet. more setbacks. But yeah, yeah, since then, I've seen some reports of what was going on. And it's just like, kind of mentioned it last podcast, but it's like six cases out of a million. So oh, yeah. rare that it's basically not even worth worrying about. The irony here, I think, is that six cases of this out of a million people and they are like, nope, shut down the vaccine. There have probably been more than six mass shootings per million people in this country. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And yeah. Not shutting down anything. That's one after another. I don't even. Well, I stopped paying attention to those shits a long time ago just because there's so many of them. It just kind of cut my eye again because we went almost a year without a big one because of the COVID. Yeah. But now it's open season again, man. It's every other day there's a shooting somewhere. Well, you know, and some people put some really big numbers on the board, so you got to throw something big up there for it to be impressive these days. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's like none of these. It used to be that I think some of these school shooters did it for the notoriety. Like, everybody's going to remember my name after this. Now you can't remember the guy that did it last week anymore. Yeah. Like you're already getting supplanted by the next one and the next one. So I guess if you're going to find a silver lining, maybe that's it. It's happening so often that none of these people are getting mythologized. It's nameless now. We just remember their score. Yeah, basically. <laughs> that's all it is. We just remember the number. We don't remember the names. Just, just. All right, guys. It's time to welcome our guest all the way from Los Angeles, California, Nick Alexander. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. You are our second guest in a row from Los Angeles. Nice. I was going to say we're very international on this podcast, but I guess that's true <laughs> within the United States. But, you know, we're but it turns closer. out we're just very dumb on this podcast. Yeah, we just don't know how geography works. <laughs> what have you been up to? Is everything still shut down in L.A.? Like, yes and no. Definitely, I haven't heard of any live stand-up yet that hasn't been, like, at a drive-in movie-type deal so i think everything's still pretty locked down okay yeah but skid row is hopping right (laughs) (laughs) all right so that's where you need to go if you want to do some real shit you go to skid row all right had some aids while you're at it although aids i heard they're they're coming up with a they're close to getting a vaccine for aids so you know what you you think people were getting excited about this covid vaccine wait till the aids vaccine comes out fucking isn't that what all those commercials i've seen in recent months are uh are about aren't there like a number like multiple medications that you can take to not get it Is that right i thought yeah. it was just to, to treat like it prep and stuff i think right is there like a Tylenol AIDS now that I haven't heard of? I don't know. Maybe I watch enough HGTV and that's who they market that yeah, stuff towards. that's probably what but... it is, dude. Yeah. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll we'll keep checking with you, Bobby, for any kind of updates on the yeah. AIDS. I'll let you know if I get it. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we like to open the show with questions sent from our millions of listeners around the world. We accept all questions, but we rarely have an answer for any of them. First question is always, where do I send questions? And that's to indecorouscomedy at gmail.com or through social media. Facebook, Instagram, indecorouscomedy. Twitter at indecorouspod. Patreon at themshits.com. Or just patreon.com slash indecorouscomedy. And how do you spell indecorous, Bobby? That's I-N-D-E-C-O-R-O-U-S. I-N-D-E-C-O-R-O-U-S. That's right. And our first question, this comes from Aaron... Aaron asks, are tiny house communities 
just trailer parks for hipsters? Oh, yes, yes. Great question. Great question. Okay, so Ian, you seem very enthusiastic about this question, so I'm going to have you explain to me what a tiny house community is, because I'm not as familiar with what they're talking about here. All right, great. Basically, for those that like minimalism or on a budget, you can get a house for, I don't know, 50000 to 100000 and they usually have a loft bedroom over an open concept kitchen and a living room, and they throw in like a tiny little bathroom. They're all about anywhere from 100 square feet to 500 square feet. And some places put a bunch of these together, kind of like a trailer park. And I think the the way you can determine if this is really similar to a trailer park or not is really the count of mullets. And you got hipster mullets. Some were ironically, some are unironic. And I think that's really the, the way you can qualify if it's truly a trailer park or not. Okay. I feel like the size of the house is almost irrelevant. A trailer park is like a lifestyle. Like, <laughs> like what do you, do you think there's more domestic violence in a little home community or a trailer park? You know, like. Um, yeah, that's a good point. And if there is, it's probably more the chicks beating up on the dudes at the <laughs> tiny house community. I think the difference between the trailer park and the tiny homes is one of them, you have no choice. That That is your only option. And yeah, the other one, you choose to, to live there. You bring your tech job to the fucking tiny house. Yeah, I think is, I've also heard that you can take the girl out of the trailer park, but you can't take the trailer park out of the girl. I don't know if the same could be said for tiny houses. Yeah. In what sense? You bring them into the tiny house, there's no escape the tiny Is house it, or you can't escape the well tiny there's house. the same amount of square footage to throw punches <laughs> okay <laughs> i wonder if you can score as many drugs at the tiny house community as you could at the trailer park there's probably some equality there as well, but i think one is going to be a little coke heavier and the other is probably a little methier yeah i agree with that okay now here's our second question this comes from mary shannon she asks what comedian living or dead would you most want to prepare you a five-course meal, including a delicately constructed amuse-bouge? Did I say that correctly? <laughs> Close enough. Yeah. I'm going to say for, Nick Alexander. Yeah, first of all, what is that, Nick? <laughs> what, are, what are these things? I don't, I, I, that sounds very French, and I, I roll, I skew more Italian. Like, I don't know all the things. I just know the things I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you don't know what an amuse-bouge is. I did not. I don't think you're pronouncing it right. <laughs> what? What is it? I think we'd have to see the spelling to see what you did to it. Oh, so you've never heard this word either, amuse-bouge? I've never seen it spelled out. I know what you're saying. I think it's. I think it refers to like a more of like a tasting menu as opposed to like. I'm going to order this steak with a baked potato. Like it's like little things. It's like what you think of when fine dining single bite instead of a whole appetizer it's like a little individual piece of something like an hors d'oeuvre it's almost like a sample it's like a <laughs> it's like if hors d'oeuvres were just a little sample of something so it's smaller than an hors d'oeuvre yeah it's a single bite there's like the tiny house of hors d'oeuvres can you wait say that word Precisely. again carlos a mouge bouge and the and then the the next one hors d'oeuvre <laughs> I can this can this be the rest of the podcast? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, I don't know any okay, well, I asked the question mostly because I think you guys know about food. I have no clue about food. I never watch any food network or cooking shows or anything. So all everything having to do I'm assuming it's something fancy because 
She says a delicately constructed amuse bouge. So I'm assuming something like a hot dog, right? Because you you know you take your time with the hot dog. You add the condiments delicately. So I'm assuming something like that. So First which comedian all, would serve as this? I think I have an answer. Um, unpopular opinion, but Gabriel Iglesias. Number one, he's fat. Number two, he's Mexican. So. I love Mexican food, and the fact that he's fat tells me the dude can probably throw it out in the kitchen. That's a good answer, I think. I'm just glad that you didn't say Dane Cook again, because you're <laughs> the full answer for everything. He does have a cook in his name. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I do have to say that simply being fat does not necessarily mean that somebody can either cook or even has good taste in food, because... <laughs> We've recently been watching that My 600 Pound Life show, and those people eat garbage. <laughs> it's, it, like, it does, they're getting enormous in the most disgusting possible way. I, I feel like Gaffigan, because he has like seven hours on food, so he at oh. least <laughs> like thinks yeah. about it. Yes, yes, that's a good answer. How about you, Bobby? Oh, I actually said Nick, because I, I know he's a cook. <laughs> That's actually why I put this question on it, because Nick is a is a cook. Yeah, I I'm fine. <laughs> I tend, <laughs> there yeah. he is being modest again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Nick. The only time I ever tasted um, what are them uh, them eggs? Caviar. Caviar. That was at uh, at Nick's. He had some caviar. That's the only time I ever tasted caviar. Dude, that would be an awesome brand of caviar. Them eggs. <laughs> Them eggs. <laughs> yeah, them eggs. Dude, get some them eggs caviar. Them like eggs shit. $400 an ounce. <laughs> well, I think those are all good answers. I, even though it, like you just pointed out, Bobby, just being fat doesn't mean that you can cook. The thing is, I don't know what other metric, aside from uh, what Nick said, because Gaffigan does talk about food a lot. So I can't think, oh, you know who? I'm going to go with Dave Williamson. I don't know if you guys know Dave Williamson. He's a comic that does a whole barbecue podcast. Uh, oh, Dave Stone. Dave Stone. I was going to say, yeah, I bet Dave Stone could cook. Yeah, I'm sure Dave. Yeah, Dave. Actually, yeah, yeah Dave does a c cooking shit, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't think about Dave Stone. But yeah, Dave Stone would be up there. Dave Williamson, though, he does a whole barbecue. Okay, so we have Nick Alexander, Jim Gaffigan, <laughs> Dave Williamson, Dave Stone, and Gabriel Iglesias because he's fat and Mexican. Yep, and they all duke it out, and then the winner can cook us food. Very good. Now, our last question comes from Lisa. Lisa asks, could you date someone who did porn for a living? Now, this one I can answer. I would say yes, because I'm pretty shameless as it is. If you've ever listened to my stand-up, it's not something that my parents would be very proud of to begin with. So what's just another thing that they're not going to be proud of? I wouldn't be too <laughs> concerned about what is my family going to think. And as far as the everybody seeing her naked and having sex and shit, I just, I don't, I just don't care about that part. That, that doesn't really equate to me very much. As long as, like I've always said this, like I don't really care much about the sex part. As long as it doesn't interfere with us being able to do stuff together. Like if we want to go to see a movie and she's like, I can't because I got to fuck the UPS guy. <laughs> <laughs> if it starts interfering with us being able to do activities together, then I'm going to have a problem. But as far as you fuck other people, I don't really care. It's just sex. I don't, I don't put that much importance into sex. And that's basically what the porn would be is just be sex, but you're actually yeah. making money. Good I'm going to say no, but not 
from like a prude standpoint, I just don't want to find myself in a, a situation where she's like, I like to keep work at work. Yeah. <laughs> and and I already date someone more famous and successful than me. I don't need to like add on to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about you, Ian? So I guess I'm going to show how much of a prude I am here. So golly shucks. I, I date someone that was doing solo stuff or lesbian stuff or even some guy girl stuff maybe anal but i have to draw a line at like dps i probably wouldn't be on board with that but you'd be fine with her doing one-on-one vaginal sex one-on-one anal sex but just not both at the same time yeah i mean you you gotta have standards somewhere right i mean so i know it makes me sound like a prude but yeah i probably wouldn't be on board for uh bukkakis or dps that's probably where the line would be for me i guess that does bring up a good issue is it's a wide spectrum of porn so i was assuming or i was taking it more as in the sense that she does mainstream porn i wasn't taking it into the like oh she's one of the co-stars of two girls one cup sort of thing (laughs) like if she is at that level then okay that might be a problem just because i don't think that's very sanitary you're gonna get a (laughs) infection no, at, at least a stomach ache i would think if you're doing those kinds of scenes yeah so for health reasons i guess i would not date <laughs> someone that is in that extreme of the porn spectrum i mean and again i'm not shaming anybody or anything i'm if that's what you like to do go all in go for you it you don't want to nurse someone with an upset tummy at the house right yeah exactly i don't want them throwing up and shitting all night because they ate shit I'm like, honey, I told you, last time you ate shit, you started shitting all day. So you got to stay away from the shit. It's so just like a like, puppy I, you're mad at? Yeah, they have to like hit her on the nose with a newspaper and shit. All right, guys, it's time for our second segment of the podcast. This is Indecorous News. There's a segment where we highlight the most important news happening across the United States and all over the world. After you listen to this segment, you will never have to listen to another newscast ever again in your entire life. And the headline of this story is $500,000 Confederate chair stolen from Alabama cemetery and threatened to be turned into a toilet. Oh, we were just talking about women that turned themselves into toilets. So I think that's a good transition. <laughs> good segue. Yeah. Exactly. So the source of this is AL.com and Slade Molly Olmstead to be more specific from Slate. Ian, I'll let you tell us a little bit about this story. All right. In late March, the United Daughters of the Confederacy reported that an ornately carved stone chair dedicated to the Confederate President Jefferson Davis and estimated to be worth $500,000 was stolen from a cemetery in Selma. On April 5th, a group identifying itself as White Lies Matter, I love that, <laughs> declared it had taken the chair and demanded a ransom. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. And to clarify, it's white lies, because it's very easy to confuse this, because it kind of <laughs> looks like lives, but it's the white yeah. lies. Yeah, especially in Alabama. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to enunciate. They stole this $500,000 chair, though. I don't know if I believe that, Man. though. I think that's just the, the United Daughters of the Confederacy are like, hey, this is worth $500,000, but I, good luck getting somebody to pay you $500,000 for a motherfucking chair. Yeah, dude. Yeah, like the guy from Pawn Stars, you bring this chair in. You're not not walking out with half a million dollars. Yeah. He's like, that's like 400,000 tops on a good day. Yeah. 
Like, I could turn this shit into a toilet and make more money. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Bobby, you could tell us a little bit more. But instead of money, the group wanted the UDC to hang a banner outside their headquarters in Richmond at 1 p.m. on April 9th, the anniversary of the Confederacy's surrender in the Civil War, and leave it there for 24 hours. The banner bared a quote, a boar bared a quote from Asata Shakur, uh, a black libertarian army activist. Liberation, black liberation. Black, black, Jesus Christ, <laughs> liberation. Yeah, army. I think black libertarian and black libertarian. Actually, I don't know if I've ever met a black libertarian. That would be. <laughs> I'm sure awesome. they're out there, but yeah, yep, black yeah. liberation army activist. The rulers of this country have always considered their property more important than our lives. If the UDC didn't do it in time, the group warned in a ransom note the chair would be carved out and used as a toilet. Shit just got real, the note said. <laughs> yeah. Double entendre. I like it. I like their sense of I like the symbolism of like you're going to have to give up at the same time that the Confederacy gave up in the Civil War on April 9th. Man, this is beautiful. Yeah. Very yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm just a big fan of creative threats. Yeah, me too. Me too. And who would have thought black libertarians were this uh, (laughs) fucking militant? Nick, you can do this next little one. In their statement, White Lives Matter further said, failure to do so will result in the monument and ornate stone chair immediately being turned into a toilet. If they do display the banner, not only will we return the chair intact, but we will clean it to boot. White Lives Matter said that it had already delivered the banner to UDC. Yeah, so overall, I think they're being pretty uh, reasonable about this. They're like, listen, just show our thing for 24 hours. And you know what? Not only do we give it back, we will clean it for you. I think that's fucking nice. Usually when somebody kidnaps somebody and they return them, they look pretty fucking horrible. (laughs) Right? They got like long hair, (laughs) old beard and shit. Look like shit. But these guys, they were like, boom, we're going to fucking clean it up for you. Now, I'll tell you a little bit more about these guys and girls. I imagine there's some girls, too. The people behind White Lies Matter identified themselves as a leaderless band of anti-racists originating in the South. In an emailed statement, the group said, Like most Confederate monuments, the chair mostly exists to remind those whose freedom had to be purchased in blood that there still exists a portion of our country that is more than willing to continue to spill blood to avoid paying that debt down. They took their toy, and we don't feel guilty about it. They never play with it anyway. <laughs> they, just want it, they just want it there to remind us what they've done, what they are still willing to do. So, yeah, again, so far, I'm pretty much on the guys uh, that stole the chair side. I, I don't know exactly how they're going to turn a stone chair into a toilet. That seems like a lot of work. It seems like an improvement. Like, it's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, yeah, that's more like an... Uh, I hope if they do this, they fucking put a little how-to on YouTube and shit. Yeah, not to mention, if they've got anything worth half a million dollars down there, that maybe they should uh, sell it and put some of that money to education. Oh, yeah, no shit, yeah. All right, Ian, you can tell us uh, the other part of it. All right, the UDC, meanwhile, was born in the late 1800s out of a campaign to deceit the Confederacy's no, racist... Depict, depict. Oh, depict... The Confederacy's racist intentions as revolving around genteel honor and states' rights. But their politics were never secret. They supported the Ku Klux Klan in its early days, and they lobbied to have textbooks altered to depict slavery as less cruel and those defending it as honorable. Yeah, this is part of the lost cause. Essentially, these are the people right. that were responsible for 
whitewashing history and installing all the Confederate monuments like 100 years after the Civil War in some false narrative that this is just all happy times and just remembering the past and great granddaddy was an awesome guy. and Exactly. You know. Yeah. 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 And, like, that's the stuff that we talked about when we had Jake Flores on. Yep, exactly. Yeah, they do always act like those monuments have just been there forever. You know what I mean? Like the war ended and they put it up the next day. The other thing too that they mentioned when I read this article is that because it's the United Daughters of the Confederacy, because it was a women-led thing, it allowed them to be more just to pass more, not, not to be as attacked as the male organizations were because oh, it, would, yeah. it would have been considered, I guess, more impolite to oppose a woman's organization. But their goals were still just as bad as the male groups that were trying to bring back this Confederacy nostalgia type shit. Could you imagine the Karens back in the day that oh were in this God. group? <laughs> I mean, Holy shit. Yeah, dude. Every one of them all went on to open up like an Eagles or a Wings down in Myrtle Beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's where all that started. Get, yeah, get some of that rebel flag money like, yeah. uh, like Clinton was talking about. Uh, yeah, that's a multi-million dollar <laughs> business in Myrtle Beach. <laughs> a few days later, however, a White Lives Matter group issued a new statement. As the UDC has given us every indication that they had no intention of hanging the banner, even going so far as declaring our demands fake news, White Lives Matter has decided to move forward prematurely with the alteration of the chair it will be returned to the UDC immediately. The group then released photos of the chair with a hole cut in the middle and a man in a union uniform using the chair to presumably take a shit and using a Confederate flag to wipe his ass from the shit that got on his ass cheeks while it slid out of his butthole area and in the outer rim of his butthole. <laughs> yeah, they posted a picture on Instagram and it's, yeah, it looks like a... <laughs> Civil War reenactor sitting on the thing with a Confederate flag next I, to him. I mean, if you shit. think about it, that was part. They never talk about what part of the Civil War they're reenacting. And I, I guarantee somebody was taking a shit at some yeah, point during the Civil War. That's Did true. It? And they weren't very respectful about what they were using to wipe their asses either. If they had a Confederate yeah. flag around, that's what probably what they would use. I mean, after the war, they were probably using Confederate money. Yeah, exactly. So, however... And there's a sad part. After the group released the photos, a reporter for the Montgomery Advertiser noticed that the chair looked a little off. She did a little digging and White Lies Matter popped to constructing a replica out of wood and foam. The original ah. chair was unsoiled. A spokesman with a fake southern accent, but I love that part that he, they just faked the southern accent, told the Washington Post that the group had come up with the idea to steal a Confederate symbol and landed on the chair because it was reportedly more than a century old, and because it looked like something that belonged somewhere other than sitting in the dirt and having birds defecate on it. They also said they always planned to return the chair as they found it. Quote, you know, we already cleaned it. We already got all the moss off of it, took a bunch of brushes to it, made it nice and pretty. So they actually did give it back, which I'm kind of bummed about. I wish they would have made a fucking toilet out of this thing. So they just took their shitty chair and cleaned it and gave it back to them? That doesn't sound like a like a prank at all or what? I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, this is like, this story started so badass. And now it's like, oh, so now you just kind of, you did them a favor. I guess they inconvenienced them a little bit because they dropped off the chair in New Orleans, yeah. which is not where it originally was. So now they have to take it back to where it, whatever it was. But now it's clean. 
Yeah, now the UDC just doesn't have to spend any more of their funds pressure washing their artifacts this year. <laughs> yeah, they just they fucking can, help. They can use it to print more hateful literature. Yeah, exactly. So I don't even see I, it started so good, and then they they just fucking. I, I guess at that point, if they would have damaged the thing, maybe they started thinking, well, we're going to be liable for a lot of money or whatever. But I mean, fuck it. That's the whole point of doing this shit. All right, well, Ian, you can... Uh, yeah, to get tied up in court. <laughs> yeah, basically. All right, Ian, you can uh, close it out there. All right, so White Lives Matter issued a statement saying, We did our part, and do not mistake it. It was not the part for heroes, but the part for idiots. The real heroes are in jail cells and graves and history books where they continue to fight for how honest we are willing to be about the narrative behind the flag. So I guess they're at least being honest. They're like, you know, we're not really revolutionaries here. But I mean, the thing is, you didn't even do the part for idiots, really. At least take a shit on the thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're not going to turn it into a toilet, like uh, legitimately with a hole, then just fucking take a shit on the seat of it. Yeah. Or at least make the UDC clean some of your artifacts. And it's <laughs> yeah. like a tit for tat. You tit know? for tat. Yeah. But, you know, racists have a bad history with uh, water pressure. Hoses. I don't, probably don't want to go there. But depending on what it is, you might need it whitewashed. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They'll be down for that shit. All right, guys, it's time to get into our main segment of the podcast. It's Indecorous Deep Dive. We build this show as an educational comedy podcast. We often fall short of the latter, but we always deliver on the former. This week's Deep Dive was written by Bobby. Now, professional wrestling is probably most famous for its fake storylines, but a lot of what was going on behind the scenes was real as fuck. Never mind the sex, drugs, and steroids, there were mafia ties and sex trafficking accusations. Tonight, we've got our good friend and wrestling fan Nick Alexander to talk about some of the indecorous history of professional wrestling and to fix some of the stories Bobby Parley butchered. (laughs) So, we appreciate the assist here, Nick, because you can't trust Bobby. Yeah, apparently I can't even spell indecorous on the uh, script there. No, apparently not. I wasn't, I wasn't going to say anything. But, yeah. yeah no, you bring it up. Looked like I was like in the middle of the word. I was trying to spell Cuomo. All right, Ian, you can do this first one. Chris Benoit was a 40-year-old Canadian professional wrestler for the WWE. Much like the NFL, the WWE brushed off concerns over chronic trauma in nephalopathy <laughs> or CTE. And what is probably the most famous case of suspected CTE-related violence. Next to Aaron Hernandez, Benoit, over the course of a three-day period in 2007, strangled his wife and son before hanging himself on his lat pull-down machine in an effort to turn attention away from whatever mass shooting occurred that week. Republicans swiftly voted to ban strong hands and lat pull-down machines. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. I mean, they're going to go aggressive against the fitness equipment, but the gun lobby, uh, they're best friends with them. <laughs> so did they actually, was this proven? Like, did they actually do a, a scan on his brain or whatever after he killed everybody? Oh, yeah. And it was it was just basically mush. Like, he had the brain of like a 96-year-old or something like that. Oh, wow. Jesus. They just now, found that uh, insane clown posse record label, like... Uh, logo of the hatchet psychopathic records okay never mind (laughs) (laughs) see i keep not getting your references i mean i don't know the hatchet (laughs) you're right i'm gonna have to come up with some better ones (laughs) it's just a picture it's like a a little thing of a dude holding a hatchet well this will kill with the juggalos 
Your reference will kill with the juggalo. I yeah, that's what I that's what I need is juggalo fans. Well, we, yeah, well, I don't know, we, I don't know how we're doing. How, Ian, how are we doing with the juggalo demographic? Have you checked our stats lately? I mean, not good actually. We're not. Yeah, okay, so there you go. Fucking <laughs> at least Bobby's trying. So that now with Benoit, though, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he have a, a move that was like he would jump off the top rope and headbutt people? Yeah, it was the diving headbutt, and since Chris Benoit was such a fucking psycho, he would actually go for people or like really just like hit the mat with his head to make it look as good as possible. Jesus Christ, because that's the thing is like there's, I'm sure it's not uncommon for wrestlers to get CTE or chronic encephalopathy, as Ian likes to call it, (laughs) but he had it really bad. So what I'd heard in the past is that it was aggravated by him doing that specific move over and over and over again. Man. Yeah, and another guy, Dynamite Kid, did the move, and he also had a lot of like really crazy, like real life violent outbursts and stuff too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember Dynamite Kid just because I had him on my Deadpool for years. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, it's really voluntarily doing exactly why they tell you not to dive into a shallow pool it's voluntarily (laughs) doing that to yourself and over and over and over again yeah all right now bobby you can do this next one so i just want to say that i think some of us know how to say that word i think it's encephalopathy oh snap ian in your face ian in your face look at bobby playing fancy with the big words Uh, Adolfo uh, Bresciano. Yeah, um, tell him how you say that one. <laughs> I, think, I think he got it right. Okay. Yeah, let's have some fun with this. Uh, better known to wrestling fans as Dino Bravo was an Italian-Canadian professional wrestler who won several major titles over the course of his career. Uh, everyone knows the old saying, you can take the WAP out of organized crime, but you can't take organized crime uh... out of the WAP. Oh, shit. An <laughs> uh, end to his professional wrestling career allowed Bresciano to pursue his true passion, cigarette smuggling, that unfortunately led to him being shot 17 times at the age of 44. God damn, but what did he die of? <laughs> yeah, uh, trying to outdo 50 Cent's record. <laughs> That's fucking crazy, dude. So this yeah. guy, I mean, I'm assuming part of the problem here is that old-timey well i mean i don't know what they make now but it wasn't like a lot of these old-time wrestlers didn't make a lot of money well no he was in wwf when hogan was getting pretty big so i think that was actually part of the issue he was making good money and then he got to the point in his career where everyone on the roster had beaten him 10 times or whatever so vince didn't want him anymore and he couldn't just go back to like that local wrestling lifestyle. Oh yeah. And he had so he literally started smuggling and joining the mafia and shit just to keep up with the Joneses, I guess. Oh, oh because shit. he had live like he had at that point uh, started living a more lavish lifestyle type thing. Yeah. Oh man, I, I didn't even think about that, but yeah, I guess as a wrestler, if you like once they write it into the story that you are beaten a number of times, you're just like some washed up whore at that point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like it, it can really damage you in like uh, the public eye. Yeah, they're like, yeah, nobody wants that skank anymore. Get out of here. <laughs> so this guy's side hustle was selling Lucy's, basically. He was cutting up cigarette packs and selling them individually, and that was uh, how he made his fortune. No, I'm guessing he was probably moving like cases of cartons. 
He was moving cases of uh, Lucy's. <laughs> he still had like a million of them, but he'd only sell them one at a time. That was yeah. the problem. That's, that's where the markup is, baby. Yeah, that's how he ended up getting shot. Is because this guy's just like, give me fifty of them, like one by one, Dory, one by one. <laughs> He's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm shooting you yeah. seventeen times. I'm getting all of them. Yeah. What did I tell you about messing with my concentration? Now we got to start over counting these. <laughs> all right, Nick, you can do this next one. Wrestling promoter Herb Abrams started out his pre-wrestling career super woke, taking what he learned from the clothing business from his father's store in Queens, New York, and opening a chain of plus-size women's clothing stores called I'm a Big Girl Now. (laughs) Abrams went on to found the Universal Wrestling Federation in 1990, receiving $1 million from Sports Channel America to produce the weekly show UWF Fury Hour. Oh, I broke it down. So yeah, go ahead and do the next paragraph. Uh, wait, no, real quick. There, you okay? You guys didn't find the name of his clothing store as funny as I did. <laughs> yeah, that's actually pretty hilarious. I mean, the it's only competition, the only competition he has is a uh, Torrid, right? Got, or Lane Bryant, I guess. The name of that store is way funnier than anything we've ever said on this podcast. I'm a big girl now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like giving people props for getting fat. Jesus, Ian. All right. So, uh, oh, is this next one me? Okay. What Abrams lacked in wrestling business experience, he made up for in charisma. Famous wrestler Mick Foley described Abrams' enthusiasm as so overwhelming that he instantly sold you on his vision for wrestling and made you believe anything was possible. His enthusiasm for wrestling was overshadowed only by his enthusiasm for cocaine and prostitutes. His enthusiasm was cocaine. And <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Plus-size prostitutes, I'm guessing. <laughs> you know, it didn't say, but, I mean, he was pretty woke, so probably. So he started, okay, I didn't know there was going to be, like, a three-parter. So this guy started off as a clothing business dude, right? Yeah. And he started the whole, I'm a big girl now, which, uh, to me, is more creepy than anything else. I'm a big girl now. <laughs> <laughs> then he found the Universal Wrestling Federation, which is, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's even bigger than the world wrestling federation right because that's the whole fucking universe can participate in this unless one you're, unless you're talking multiverse the only thing that can beat that is the yeah. multiverse yeah federation. the multiverse wrestling federation <laughs> well that's what put him out of business and then he loved the cocaine and the horse that, that would sum him up pretty well I think. okay so apparently the problem with faking it till you make it is you don't always make it abram's <laughs> tv show was canceled and his final attempt of a wrestling promotion comeback the TV special UWF Blackjack Brawl, live from MGM Grand Arena in Las Vegas, sold only 300 tickets out of the 17,000 available seats. Jesus, that's like a Trump rally, right? <laughs> <laughs> Before his death from a heart attack in 1996, police found Abrams in his Manhattan office naked and covered in baby oil, destroying furniture he suspected of being bugged with a baseball bat. Jesus just, Christ. Just so we're clear here, that is less than 2% of the available seats. <laughs> <laughs> is this 
something that you can find on YouTube or anything? Because I would love to see a 17,000 seater with only 300 tickets sold. Oh, yeah. You can watch. Actually, I recommend doing some sort of drugs and <laughs> then watching this on YouTube. It's on there with the old school 90s commercials. It's a fun. Oh, oh wow. That's fucking great. <laughs> that is pretty awesome. And it, you know, they're watching it nowadays. They would just be like, oh, wow. They were just social distancing, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think this guy would have made it, though, if it wasn't because of the cocaine and prostitutes? Or was this just like, there's no fucking way this could have ever worked? No, it's like notoriously pretty bad wrestling. Like bad wrestling in like technically or? Like in every way, like oh, okay. story-wise. <laughs> it, it was a lot of old timers just coming in for like a big payday because he had a lot of money. It was uh, it was pretty rough stuff, but a lot of it's funny. Like it, it would, <laughs> if you watch it now, it's it's pretty hilarious. So would you say maybe he only got as far as he did because of the cocaine and prostitutes? Yeah, I would say that's more accurate. <laughs> okay. so, so I have questions. Does being covered in baby oil make one better at swinging a baseball bat? Is that like a known <laughs> baseball life hack? or? I feel like it would make it worse, right? Yeah, you're slipping all over. Although I do like the picture of the dude covered in baby oil, swinging a baseball bat. And then yelling out, I'm a big girl now, the whole time. <laughs> I think the baby oil was so the charges don't stick. Uh. Ah, there you go. That's the Bobby I know. I got that one. Get your juggalo humor, but I get that one. All right, Bobby, you can do the next one. Not only was Jimmy the Superfly Snuka, a WWF Hall of Famer credited with introducing the high-flying style of wrestling to the WWF, he was also a murderer. <laughs> Snuka was indicted and arrested on third-degree murder and involuntary manslaughter charges in relation to the 1983 death of his girlfriend, Nancy Argentino. Snuka pleaded not guilty, but was ultimately found unfit to stand trial due to his dementia diagnosis. As his health deteriorated, the charges were dismissed, and Snuka died 12 days later. Argentino died of traumatic brain injuries consistent with a moving head striking a stationary object and was riddled with cuts and bruises that were signed of serious domestic violence. All right, I'm going to clean this up a little bit. So <laughs> this happened in 1983. Snuka was like on his way. It, this was right before Hulk Hogan. And if Hulk Hogan wouldn't have happened, it would have been Snuka. Wow. Oh, wow. Like everything that happened. So like Vince McMahon had a lot invested in covering this up. Not to start say conspiracy shit, but he actually wasn't arrested for this until like, 20 something years yeah. later. I think it was like, like 30, 2000. Right? Yeah, yeah, 30 years later. 32 years, I think the article said. It's crazy. And to go with our CTE discussion, by that point, his brain was too jello to put him through court. He didn't know where he was. Wow. Well, I remember this one. Again, it's funny how many times. I don't know how many we have left, but several times the only reason I've heard of several wrestlers is because they kept coming up when I was hardcore into Deathpool. And a lot of them were just like on the verge. And Superfly Jimmy Snuka was one of them because he was going through that court trial shit and then died pretty soon after. And I think it was like in January, if I'm not wrong. I could be wrong about this, but I think it was like end of the year, beginning of the year. And I never heard of any of these stories, but you would think if somebody's going to have some hardcore head CTE injuries, it's going to be the guy that was flying all over the place and hitting the mat. You know yeah. I mean? uh, also use the diving headbutt sometimes. Did he? Jesus. Okay, so there you go. I think that's the common thing here is maybe don't do the flying headbutt. Yeah. That's, that, that is like diving into the shallowest of waters. 
Which, if I'm not wrong, doesn't our buddy Jake Manning do a flying headbutt too? He does it sometimes, but he is, of course, eventually gonna snap. <laughs> okay, good. So yeah, so if we need anybody killed, we can go to Jake, and then he can plead not guilty. Yeah, he can plead yeah. CTE, and then be like, CTE. all right, yeah, well, of course. <laughs> I guess that is one way of getting around this. Is just like if you make that your move then eventually you're free to kill anybody because you can use that as a defense. You just play a reel of all your finishing headbutt moves. But also anybody that voluntarily gets into comedy is unfit to stand trial. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And that's what uh, that's what Jake did. Well, he was just trying to find stability from the world of wrestling. All right, Ian, you can do this next one. The fabulous Mula's wrestling career began in the late 1940s, and her talent soon resulted in touring the country and amassing a stable of female wrestlers that she trained herself. For the better part of 25 years, every top female wrestler was trained by Mula, booked out by Mula, and was controlled by Mula's group. This level of control, it turns out, served another far more nefarious purpose. Yeah, and that's the end of that one, so we'll never know what the nefarious okay. purpose was. <laughs> I, I smell something kinky afoot, so... Uh, well, yeah, uh, Nick, you can tell us. In addition to her students going into debt while paying upwards of $1,500 a month for training and lodging, former wrestler stated that Moolah acted as a pimp, renting out girls to various promoters as a form of sex trafficking. Like a scene taken from a movie also called Taken, the children of one of the Moolah's trainees suggested Moolah had provided her mother with drugs, forcing her to become dependent and allowing her to repeatedly be raped by her clients who had tortured her as a means of control. So she was like a, like a madam? Yeah, she was like a fucking villain, like a superhero movie villain. She was <laughs> seriously like nuts. So Jesus. she was okay. So she was training all these females, but basically pimping them out. Yeah, and then controlled their lodging, their food. She skimmed off their pay so much that like they were always in debt to her. It's kind of like a cult. It's like listening to something about Jonestown or something. Holy wow. shit! You might remember this, but I feel like because probably one of the last WrestleManias I saw or something was ten. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think and wasn't she at that or something like yeah. and they like went and she's in the crowd and they're like hey it's the fabulous moolah right she she wrestled till like 1999 like she wrestled into like her 70s and 80s like on WWF Raw and shit I, I was gonna say something like that too like I remember seeing her in the old days but she was treated with reverence. I mean, it was like, ah, look, yeah. at she's a staple of wrestling and stuff. She wasn't, I'll just say she was definitely was not treated as a woman that was uh, sex trafficking other women yeah, when they showed it, her. Because well, everyone was scared of her. Like, imagine if there was only one comedy booker, like, for, <laughs> for you. <laughs> or Like, it's terrifying to, like, so, like, when she died, all this stuff, like, immediately surfaced. Oh, so it wasn't until she died. Yeah, I mean, it was talked about while she was alive. No one like would dare cross her. Okay, well, here's she, a she was like the Jeffrey Epstein of her day. There were all these yeah, like, yeah. famous, That's a famous good... people taking pictures with her. <laughs> well, here's some more to it. To be fair, others have defended her against these heinous accusations, claiming none of them were true. Although WWE had frequently featured sexually explicit storylines and showcased relatively little of their female talent's athletic ability in the so-called Attitude Era from the late 90s and early 2000s, 
WWE CBO Stephanie McMahon promised a revitalized focus on legitimate women's wrestling in 2016. The WWE controversially decided to name an inaugural women's battle royale at WrestleMania after Moolah, which fans of women's wrestling vehemently opposed, and after boycotting the company's sponsors, prompted them to drop the Moolah moniker from the match. Well, yeah, that's fucking... And this was when? 2016? They were still fucking... Wow. Naming shit. I, I think her? it was the 2018 Battle Royale. Like oh, it was God. that. Yeah, because this. I mean, this all kind of came up, I guess, in the wake of the Me Too movement. Dude, the Me Too movement and pro wrestling would never end. Like <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> they wouldn't get off like Google page one. Like it would be. <laughs> it's insane. I don't doubt it, but this does catch me by surprise. Because yeah, when I would see the Mula stuff, I'd be like, "Oh, look at this little old lady still." Uh... <laughs> She's so sweet. She's so yeah, great. exactly. It is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She had that little old lady persona, or not really persona, but I mean, that's what she looked like. I mean, she was old as fuck. Yeah, I mean, never guessed all this other shit. It seems like old people get away with being more rapey. Like they can kiss children on the mouth, and it's just like, oh, they're old. They've got that old folksy racism that doesn't hurt anybody. Mm. So I think, um, yeah, maybe that's how she was able to pull this shit off. Yeah, you see some, like, wrinkly old man that doesn't mean he wasn't at one point in time a ruthless Nazi guard. Yeah. <laughs> right. I had the same feeling for that. Like, a lot of people are willing to excuse old people because they're old, frail, and, and weak. But, you know, some of them, when they were strong and viral, they were fucking people up. Yeah. I think the, I think yeah. the hack is, if you're going to grab someone's ass, you got to steal their nose afterwards or pull a quarter out of their ear and then it's just like oh <laughs> shucks, grandma yeah, i can't be mad at you for or that pull a quarter out of their ass yeah. <laughs> ass pennies yeah yeah there you yeah. go it just came out stuck to your dick when you pulled out and you're like hey have this quarter funny all right ian you can do this next one one day it will be hard to imagine there was a time when gay athletes had to hide their sexuality to preserve their athletic careers but unfortunately, that won't bring professional wrestler and even more professional gay men, Chris Canyon, who committed suicide in 2010, back from the dead. Canyon had struggled for decades as a closeted homosexual at a time when coming out would have been career suicide. And while it was known within the wrestling industry amongst close friends, it wasn't until his release from WWE in 2004 that he finally came out publicly. It's a tragic shame that a man who loved the industry with every fiber of his being, was never given the opportunity to truly inspire in the ring the people he was forced to suppress being part of, the LGBT plus community, said wrestling writer Jimmy Greer. So this dude was always gay, but never openly gay while he was a wrestler? This is gonna, this, all right, I will lead into this saying this is terrible to say because Chris Canyon was very important and a very talented wrestler, but... It is kind of ironic that he would not commit career suicide, but he would commit actual suicide. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, dude. yeah, that is ironic. And I mean, it must have been weird for him to see all these wrestlers like the Disco Inferno and some of these other really campy, almost gay-ish, and then he's he's the gay one. That must have been a little awkward. I don't know if you guys remember the WCW era, like uh, Mortal Kombat kind of knockoff characters, like Mortis and Glacier and all that. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. He, he was Mortis. He was the green one. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I, and I read this today that he was also... this. You would think he was like trying to say it without saying it, but wasn't he part of a tag team called Men at Work? 
<laughs> they were a construction worker gimmick. Not like... <laughs> <laughs> Which also, I mean, that was a nod to the village people, yeah. I thought. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was. The way you said it, Nick, it almost sounded like they were construction workers. How dare you? <laughs> and the village people, there was an Indian and a police officer. <laughs> they were committed to their jobs. They were Christians. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I do remember the kind of the stuff that uh, Ian brought up because I had like two eras that I watched a lot of wrestling. It was when I was a uh, like a kid, nine, ten, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and then when I was in my late teens, which was the Attitude Era. But I remember when in my first era of watching wrestling, Goldust came out. Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. I like. Oh, yeah. I don't know if they ever explicitly said he was gay, but I thought the guy was like, what the oh, yeah. fuck is going on here? Definitely a androgynous mystery sex character. And was that Dustin Rhodes? Yes, Dustin yeah. Rhodes. And as far as I know, Dustin Rhodes isn't gay, right? Nah, I think he, yeah, he's, he's very straight. Okay, so they actually did have gayish characters, or I mean, at least androgynous characters. So that was more like, this is the 90s and we're rebelling against the old man and not like, this is a progressive homosexual character. Let's move some goalposts here, guys. Progress. You know, it was like, this is going to make your dad uncomfortable. Yeah, because I was thinking about that. I think I talked to actually Jake, who we mentioned already, that if you wanted to be a heel, like a fucking hardcore bad guy, Back before the WWE took over and was basically like the national wrestling league of the whole country, when there was all these all these regional federations or, or promotions, I can't think of a better gimmick to make more people hate you if you are in a southern promotion as a gay dude, just like gay. Oh, like yeah. you're just gay. I can't think of anything that would make people hate you more other than maybe being a Satanist or something. <laughs> His finishing move was sodomizing your hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be Hulk Hogan got fucked by. They literally, they would have gotten killed. Like there's so many stories of bad guy wrestlers getting like fucking acid thrown at them and like batteries and getting like stabbed on the way back down the fucking aisle. Like, Holy right, shit. Yeah. They did not fuck around in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, they took that shit super <laughs> seriously. Like, they, like you know, we talked about the other day, I might have been when we were, you know, because Nick is one of my poker buddies, but I don't know if it was then that we were talking about just the days when Andy Kaufman was fucking with everybody. These fucking people wanted to rip him the fuck apart. They really oh, wanted to fucking oh. kill him. Or kind of like how the actor that played King Joffrey on Game of Thrones would have like people mad at him in the street because <laughs> oh, yeah. they don't understand acting. Yeah, and that's just like 10 years ago. So think about yeah. 30, 35 years ago in the Deep South playing a gay character. Yeah, I think probably the reason that they didn't have that more or just didn't have it at all is what Nick said is because they would have literally murdered that. They would have found out where are they staying which and we're going to kill this guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, to be fair, you know, I, I hated uh, the guy that played Phil Leotardo until the day he died. And the Sopranos. <sighs> Josh, Josh. All right, guys, we're going to get into our last segment of the podcast. This is In Memoriam. Awesome. There's a new segment. 
every week or whenever we feel like it, we at Indecorous Comedy like to take a step back and remember those who are no longer with us in the Indecorous universe. Not the multiverse, just the universe. This week, we're taking a look back at the life and wisdom of Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh. You guys yes. know about this? You guys oh, know dude. about Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh? He was uh, considered problematic by some and an indecorous hero by others. Yes. He died just about a week ago from our recording here. Are you guys familiar with him, Nick, Bobby? Yeah, yeah he died the same day that DMX did. That's right. I think it was one of those things where, like, one couldn't live without the other. Yeah. Sort of thing. You <laughs> yeah. hear those stories. Yeah, Star Cross lovers. Game recognized game, I exactly. think is what they call it. Yes. So, Prince Philip, just for those that don't know, passed away on April 9th, 2021. Stolen from us at his prime, only two months short of his 100th birthday. That's got to suck. You're just two months away from trips and then you fucking die. Well, the Duke of Edinburgh may be gone, but his pearls of wisdoms will stay with us forever. Wait, real quick. Is trips like slang for triple digits? Yeah. Bro. Oh, yeah, that- yeah. Yeah, yeah. What did you think it was something else? I wasn't sure what it was, but that sounded like what you were going for. But... Oh, yeah, buddy. Dubs, there's dubs, there's trips, there's quads. I don't know if there's a term for five. I just, I think I get a lot of this from playing poker. Like, Nick, oh, okay. don't, don't, isn't that what they call, do they call them trips? Yeah, three of a kind. Yeah, three of a kind. I, I guess I've just been playing a lot of poker lately, so that's how I... Uh, only, like, things. people that aren't 100 are allowed to say this. So, like, if your grandmother said that at 100, you would kill her. <laughs> so we have compiled a few of his... He's got too many. We're not going to do all of them. But we've p- compiled a few of his most famous and decorous quotes to read and to remember. Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, rest in power. And Ian, you can do this first quote. All right, as soon as you share your Yeah, screen. I was going to say there's no share <laughs> No, man, I thought you'd do them like, by, by heart. I know, I was like, was I supposed to prepare fucking Prince? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, you, I actually, you don't have I like a th- six-minute eulogy, <laughs> Nick? <laughs> I actually know about two or three by heart, but uh, yeah. So people think there's a rigid class system here, but Dukes have even been known to marry chorus girls. Some have even married Americans. Yeah, so yeah, he's so just props. in the USA. Yeah, props for I give him props. He's like, I don't give a fuck. You're Americans. You're, you're a piece of shit. So this so. guy's dissing the USA. So Already. he's not the main America, Already. bro. Yep. I'll do this. Not, we're not the only ones, by the way. In case you're thinking like, oh fuck this guy. He's he disses it out pretty evenly all throughout the world. And here's another one. In the Cayman Islands in 1994, he said, "Aren't most of you descended from pirates?" <laughs> <laughs> Wait, math checks in out. Australia? <laughs> the math checks out. It is an island after all. So, it is. Yeah. yeah, so there's probably some truth to his uh, belief that almost all of them are descended from pirates in the Cayman Islands. It's a missed opportunity to not call them butt pirates, though. Well, come on. Oh, was he on Epstein's island? <laughs> <laughs> Bobby, you can this next one. Asked if he would like to visit the Soviet Union in 1967. I would like to go to Russia very much, although the bastards murdered half my family. (laughs) Yeah, again, this is one of those things where it's like you would expect this from some old dude regardless. But if you're the 
Well, I mean, I guess I don't. I want to. He wasn't the head of state. He wasn't a. He was just married to the head of state of the United Kingdom. But still, I mean, it's probably not. You don't want to call the all the Russians bastards. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, Nick, you can do this next one. Asked of a Scottish driving instructor in 1995. How do you keep the natives off the booze long enough? <laughs> I feel like this is going to get isolated and ruin my life. <laughs> um, how do you keep the natives off the booze long enough to pass the test? Yeah, apparently the Scottish are uh, boozers. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I mean, uh, that one's fair. <laughs> this is, you accept this one? <laughs> yeah, that's a legit question. Yeah. I mean, and if it would have been Irish, I mean, absolutely. That's the thing, too, is like, I didn't realize that the Scottish, but I guess they got to keep up with the Irish. They don't want to be fucking... It's competition. Yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. Well, think about it. They they both speak English, and you can't understand either one of them. That's right. Ian, you can do this one. All right, on approaching his 90th birthday, bits are beginning to drop off. So I guess he's talking about... Uh, yeah, the naughty bits, I, be- I believe. Isn't that what they call them in uh, England? I mean, I know that your balls start dropping and sagging like lower and lower in life, but Nani must be like getting around fucking, you know, some ridiculous levels. Like You know caps. what? That's a great point because that is true. Because I was about to compliment and I was like, man, they're just sagging at 90. Then you're doing pretty good. But he's actually saying drop off. And he might I, mean I, that literally. Like they I are think actually, he's talking about leprosy. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah. they are literally, yeah, my bits, they are barely hanging by a thread. Like, I only have one testicle now. The other one just dropped all the way off. I mean, he was royalty. He probably had, like, a ball guy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's right. they, they all have that. All right. If it has four legs and it's not a chair, if it has two wings and it flies, but it's not an airplane, and if it swims and it's not a submarine, the Cantonese will eat it. Hey, yo. Yeah, you know these fucking Cantonese. <laughs> I like it. They'll fucking eat anything. Basically, yeah. I mean, in China, they do have the wet market, so... Yeah, that's as, true. As racist as it might sound, there's a grain of truth to it. If you see the kind of stuff they have in the wet markets, it's insane. That's how we got the COVID, because they're that's eating how we the got bats. The COVID. They were, yeah. You know, yeah, so fucking Prince Philip, he was just telling it like it is, man. He was telling like, it like it is. He's like, you guys think I'm joking around here, but one of these days there's going to be a pandemic because this fucking Cantonese won't stop eating everything. I would accept his casual racism if it would have prevented the pandemic. Yeah, it did it, but he tried to warn us. All right, Bobby, you can do this next one. To a wheelchair-bound Susan Edwards and her guide dog Natalie in 2002. Do you know they have eating dogs for the anorexic now? <laughs> <laughs> See, now I think that's a pretty good joke. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's good. I'll give him credit for that one. I, I like, that's something that I would expect Stephen Wright to write. We have all heard people do far worse closers than that. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. And he's but, just trying to cheer up a cripple. I mean, what? I mean, that's there. probably way better than anything you heard that uh, Tourette's guy over the weekend, right, Ian? <laughs> true, fucking true. Yeah, Nick, uh, Ian went to see some comic with Tourette's and he thought it was going to be good. And then and he's, was, he's complaining to good. us because he's no good. And I was like, come on, man. You seen a guy with Tourette's, you thought it was going to be good? Come on. I do like that it was presented as though it were a genre of comedy, you know? <laughs> you know, like a guitar comic, a Tourette's comic, you know? Have you heard of this guy, Nick, by the way, this Tourette's comic? Samuel J. Kamaru. Oh, no. Is it is it the Tourette's guy from, like, YouTube? He, he was on America's Got Talent, and he uh, got pretty far along, and he did his little Tourette's shtick, so he got the sympathy vote. Uh, he's, he's too blue for me. <laughs> <laughs> and what's funny is that Josh Blue is too blue for me because of the Josh Blue. <laughs> Nick, you can do this next one. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
to a to a wheelchair bound nursing home resident in 2002 do people trip over you <laughs> yeah that's what that was yeah. his main but I, I wonder if this is one is like did he really was he really wondering about this or did he was just like what am i going to tell this wheelchair person i gotta say something <laughs> and uh, this is a way to cheer them up may, maybe he said it from the ground <laughs> yeah. yeah do people trip over you or am i yeah. the first one yeah exactly they're like right. no they just usually let us die during a pandemic <laughs> yeah all right and you're the next one to a 21 year old british student during a visit to china in 1986 if you stay here much longer you will go home with slitty eyes i think that's just scientific fact right if you stay in china too long you leave with slitty eyes yeah like right? the gravity has some very weird effects on the, <laughs> yeah, on the eyes. Right. You know, it's like in Australia, the toilets yeah. go the other yeah, way. Like the, yeah, the, the Coriolis effect or whatever. Yeah, that's all it is. So, so he was just, is it, this is just fucking Prince Philip caring a lot about the youth. <laughs> yeah, I thought we were going to trust science, guys. Yeah. Guys. <laughs> so this is another, to another student, to a British student who had trekked in Papua New Guinea. You managed not to get eaten then? <laughs> so again, very concerned about the youth, Prince Philip. He thought, hey, you went to Papua New Guinea. I'm surprised that none of your body parts were eaten. And probably your head is still the same size because they probably have a head shrinker. Jesus Christ, Carlos. Well, I'm saying the quote got cut off right there, but I'm sure <laughs> judging by how concerned he was. By you, had to, you had to take it around to a hate crime? The, oh, like being eaten as in a head? Come on. I care for the youth. <laughs> Bobby, we can do this next one. I don't think a prostitute is more moral than a wife, but they are doing the same thing. Yeah. Now, this was in response to something about people kill hunters versus people just selling meat at supermarkets. I still don't really understand the analogy, but sure. Yeah, they Was are. he doing Rogan's podcast? Is that uh, where yeah, that's, came from? This was in the Joe Rogan experience. That's what, yeah. These are all quotes taken from the Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> well, Prince, you know, uh, you know, whatever his fucking name is. Prince Philip. <laughs> Prince Philip. Sorry, he didn't, mean, he didn't mean as much to me as he did to you, Ian, all right? <laughs> the Duke of Edinburgh, if you please. Ian, there's another one for the kids. To hopeful astronaut, 13-year-old Andrew Adams, you could do with losing a little bit of weight. What's funny is that I didn't even have to write that down. I could have just cut and pasted something Ian said from a previous podcast and put it right in there. That's true. That's from true. the many times that you've told your wife you could lose a little weight. Yep, I, I think I've given her some motivation once or twice and yeah, shared it with you yeah, fellas. Yeah, yeah. So I thought you would connect with Prince Philip here by telling the hopeful astronaut that he could use a losing a little weight. And I find the insults do get you slapped more than they actually work. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. I okay. can imagine a 13-year-old could probably hit pretty good by that age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, not, the, yeah. not that Prince Philip, though. Yeah, but yeah. that was back when, like, people could accept the truth. <laughs> and I think yeah. if you wanted to be an astronaut, they would literally make you lose weight, you, right? <laughs> now it's discrimination if you don't accept Yeah, it. well, like, yeah. every every additional pound on the shuttle is probably, like, tens of thousands of dollars. But also big, bold, and beautiful, Bobby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what we need. We need voluptuous astronauts. <laughs> we, yeah, we need diversity in outer space. <laughs> All right, Bobby, you can do this next one. So who's on drugs here? He looks as if he's on drugs. 
to a 14-year-old member of a Bangladeshi youth club in 2002. I mean, to be fair, I was doing drugs at 14. Well, I mean, but this is also like, I think he ran out of material, because this sounds like a very stand-up comedian move of like, ah, this guy knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, this guy fucks. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, who likes weed here? This guy looks like he likes weed over here. That's what I'm starting to get from a lot of these quotes is that He's a dude that probably has to go to all these fucking ceremonies. <laughs> and eventually you're like, I, I, I don't have anything else to say. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck. He's I, just doing crowd work. Yeah, he's just <laughs> ran out of material. And he's like, uh, there's drugs here. Uh, this guy, he knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, a 14-year-old Bangladeshi kid. Okay, here you go. You can do this one, Nick. To an aboriginal leader... Jesus Christ. Do you still throw spears at each other? <laughs> yeah. You know, because I'm assuming he cares about the aboriginals. He's like, hey, because if they did, I'm sure Prince Philip would have been like, hey, man. Yeah. Nah, it's not cool, bro. He was asking if they had settled their civil war. That's right. He just, all these questions is because he cared so much. I think he might be <laughs> invoking uh, Goldberg, the, the famous wrestler oh. that does the spears as finishing move. Uh, Go back to wrestling. There you go. (laughs) Finally, a reference I get. Thank you, Ian. I don't get that reference. (laughs) Of course you don't. (laughs) Yeah. It wasn't obscure enough. All right. And I'll do this last one. If you travel as much as we do, you appreciate the improvements in aircraft design of less noise and more comfort, provided you don't travel in something called economy class, which sounds ghastly. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. We were just talking about this, how... How awful economy class is? <laughs> yeah. Uh, on the same plane, you have, like, a fraction of people getting treated like fucking cattle. And then, like, eight feet from them, you have people, like, serving them wine and cheese and fucking grapes and shit. <laughs> That's happening at the same time. It's fucking insane. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. Su- I'm surprised we don't have, like, pedals in coach that we have to pedal to provide air conditioning to first class. <laughs> <laughs> It's not far out, man. I, I trust yeah. me. It's not far out, dude. American... Yeah, oh shit. Yeah, you signed up for basic, basic economy. You're I'm surprised. Better, better pedal bin. I'm surprised Spirit doesn't have that already, man. Yeah, I didn't like. I had heard people talk shit about Spirit, and I didn't really get it until I had to fly that airline once. It is pretty. Uh, so they're on another level. Well, it is a thing. I mean, the the running joke is that it's the Greyhound of the skies, but it really is because <laughs> yeah. it's it's like. That's the downside of cheap tickets. It's that, okay, now you're going to have to fly with other people that can afford cheap tickets. And they're yeah. usually not the best crowd. It's like, I have a theory that the only reason Target keeps their prices more expensive than Walmart is because they don't want the Walmart people to start showing up at Target. Yeah. Yes. So I think it's that same thing. It's like, yeah, all right, it's going to be cheap, but now you're going to fucking have to fly with the fucking most ghetto people in the world. Like, you might have to fucking fight off some people before you get to your destination. Yeah, I think Greyhound of the Skies is fair. The Walmart of the Skies. But I will say this, at least as far as I know, if you fly Spirit, everybody's going to be treated like shit. But going back to what Nick said, it is weird that on legit airlines, it is like, all right, here's you pieces of shit. And then here's a magic curtain that... Turns everything into heaven. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they could just do that for the rest of the plane. Like. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Why not? I, I've, when we talked about 
a few weeks ago, we had, oh, it was John Dunn. We talked about the windshield wiper guy that invented the intermittent windshield wiper things. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm like, at this point, car companies that don't give features like that standard, they're just doing it to punish you for being poor. Because <laughs> yeah. it's probably more expensive for them to take out the middle wipe or to put in manual windows instead of automatic. Like, it's actually more expensive because now they have to find some old dude from the factory that still knows how to install yeah. that shit. But they're Those... like, nah, fuck it. You're not going to pay the extra money, but fuck you. You're going to be straining to open this window now. Those are the only American jobs left. All right, guys, we reached the end of the podcast. Thank you, Nick, for doing the podcast, my friend. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, dude. thank you, Nick. Appreciate it, man. Now, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Anything that you've been up to? Maybe poker-related, perhaps? Oh, yeah. If you want to come see a bunch of comedians play poker on Twitch, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, we have a good, like, every third Friday schedule going. Basically, yeah. But uh, get on Twitch and put in card sharts and come watch us play. It's, it's pretty fun. Twitch.tv slash card underscore sharts, which is on every, like Nick said, every other third Friday, maybe. But we're trying to get better about it. We're trying to get better about it. And by trying is we're trying to hound Mikey enough that maybe he'll fucking put it up. But it is fun to play. It is fun to fucking we stream on the Zoom thing. I said this a few weeks ago, too. It's like I never understood why anybody would want to watch somebody play video games on twitch just period yeah but no, i mean if that's your thing is just watching other people do shit then yeah fuck it you might as well come watch us play poker yeah people pay to watch people jack off and shit so, yeah like, that's right that's tell jokes <laughs> it does, but yeah so yeah that's basically what we're doing that's huh. how ian lost all his doggy coin money <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right Nick, do you have any social media or anything you want to plug i'm kind of off social media but sure uh at N-I-C-K-O-H-L-E-S-S-A. Maybe I'll see it. Maybe I won't. I don't know. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the podcast is on hiatus right now? Yeah. So Jake's business career and wrestling career has made it difficult, which is very good for him. But, you know, it could be back. It could be back. Okay. That's 10 Bell Pod, right? Yes. And But where can people... Well, I mean, the old episodes are still out there. So yes. where, where can people check out 10 Bell Pod? Old episodes are still up. Should be on all the things. Spotify, Apple, what, whatever. All the podcasts. Right on. <laughs> all right, Nick, man. Great talking to you, buddy. I'll talk to you on Friday. All right. <laughs> I'll see you then. All right. Thanks, Nick. See ya. Bobby, you got any last words? <sighs> He's nice. Uh, uh, um... Uh, 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 um, uh, um, uh, 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 so I got a tent ban from another couple subs on Reddit this week. Wait, wait, I don't... You're going to have to... Ex you got a what now from what now? Uh, I, I got temp banned, which is basically a seven-day ban from a couple subreddits that I enjoy. One of them was a local subreddit. The story posted was... Like submissive? Like a submissive Reddit? 
I wish. I wish. <laughs> okay. Well, one was the local Reddit where the story posted was in reference to a lady that got sexually assaulted via a gentleman that just came out of nowhere and started masturbating to her. And the guy was really furious about the cops didn't come and do anything. The police report wasn't even filed. Like, where were the cops on this crime? And I tried to cheer the guy up. I was like, think about this way. I mean, this chick now has the ultimate flex to tell people at dinner parties. She can be like, motherfucker was just jacking off to me in broad daylight. That's how hot I am. <laughs> I got temp banned for that shit. You got temp, really? Yeah, basically what happens is a social justice warrior sees a post I made and, you know, I'm, you know, 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 I'm getting downvoted. I'm getting people fucking salty. So they go cry and complain to a mod. And then the mod issues a tent ban on that sub. And in some cases, case in point, this other ban I got was I think a 12 day ban. It was a little bit more steep. So you guys know I love the indecorous life hacks. We made an entire fucking season of that shit. Well, there is a sub on Reddit called Life Pro Tips. Where people try to do a bunch of feel good, go spend time with the elderly. It will really make their day. Oh, it was that the, the just the tips Reddit? No, no, no. Nice. Is 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 that kind of like bullshit? Yeah, exactly. So so I decided to kind of spice up the life pro tip sub, if you will, by posting this indecorous gem. I said, if you want to get a VIP dance, like a very VIP dance, at a local strip club, just try to go there near whenever the rent is due. And I think that's a, a quality life pro tip. I think it's very fucking true. If you're really wanting to get that extra VIP shit, possibly a happy ending, definitely go towards the end of the month or the beginning of the month because that's when motherfucking rent is due and that's whenever the ladies are going to be working extra hard and some magic can happen. But those motherfuckers downvoted me to oblivion and then narked me out to the fucking mods and then I got tent banned on that shit. Bunch of pussies. Yeah, that's why I try to stay away from places that can can get downvoted. <laughs> I, I'm like, I, I, I'm too, what is it? Um, Edgelord? No. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you, Bobby. I'm too beautiful to be downvoted. I'm trying downvoted. to up, uplift my brothers, all right? <laughs> my kings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I... I I'm too adversarial as it is, even with just people in general. That like I just posted a thing today from a guy. This guy blocked me on Facebook like four or five months now, but I kept a screen cap of him saying back then that he wished the cops that murdered George Floyd would get away with it, and that he would laugh the day that they got acquitted. And I saved that shit. For five, Jesus. five, six months, and I posted it again <laughs> yeah. today. I trying to see if it aged. Yeah, trying to see if it aged well or not, right? I did, did it age well? It. Yeah, yeah. Of course, it didn't age well. I mean, I don't know. I guess it depends on your perspective. But I posted it again today. So it's like, and this is without downvotes that I'm fucking holding on to grudges of assholes like this. So, let alone if I'm having to deal with people downvoting shit. All right, guys. Uh, 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 well, thank you for listening to the podcast. If you want to support us online, you can go to patreon.com slash comedy or even easier than that, you can go to themshits.com. Thank you for listening to the podcast, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Walk your cat. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Eat them eggs caviar. Eat them eggs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's pretty funny, man.